ونستعينه <تصفيق> أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما آتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا صدق الله العظيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقهوا قولي دروشي بالله Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an became the fourth successor to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam a man who was very closely related to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam Anyone who is related to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam is considered to be a very special individual. In the Islamic terminology, these individuals, this category of people have been given the name as the Ahl-Bayt. And Ahlul Bayt means the family members of Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Of course, the very first condition to be one from amongst the Ahlul Bayt is that that individual must be in the state of iman. He must be a Muslim, a mu'min. You can't be from the Ahlul Bayt if you are not a believer. Otherwise, Abu Lahab was also a Qurayshi an uncle and someone who was very closely related to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this honor was given to Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala an that from amongst the Khulafa'i rashidin he was considered to be the closest in relation when we look at blood relationship blood ties he was the closest to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Of course, there is no debate with regards to the ranking in position and in status. No one comes before Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq. Second in position is Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala an. Thereafter is Hazrat Usman and thereafter is Hazrat Ali radiyallahu ta'ala an. But one exclusive feature of this great individual is the fact that he is the only one amongst the Khulafa'i Rashidin that is considered to be from amongst the Ahl-Bayt. A unique position. Ulama have even mentioned that a lot of the times a person will inherit certain 
traits in him when he is connected to noble lineage the blood flow itself would make that individual very dynamic that has a direct impact on the character on the competence of an individual the bravery the courage and even a lofty status that is why Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned in one hadith that people are like the mines of gold and silver people are like the mines of gold and silver those that have been well known for their good character will also excel in good character after entering the fold of Islam as in Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was explaining in this hadith that anyone of a noble lineage someone who comes from a very strong uh, family background someone who is connected to a noble family then usually you will find that these individuals become the gems of society and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an in that respect was very special and just to open up for you his close relationship that he was also the carrier of the royal blood the royal blood of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam's father's name is Abdullah and the father of Hazrat Ali is Abu Talib Abdullah and Abu Talib both are brothers Abdullah and Abu Talib are both brothers both are the children of Abdul Muttalib both are the children of Abdul Muttalib now Abdul Muttalib had many children many children and from many wives but the relationship of Abdullah and Abu Talib is quite unique in a sense that both are brothers from the same father and the same mother both are brothers from the same father Abdul Muttalib and the same mother that would mean that the maternal grandmother of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the same uh, as the maternal grandmother of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala and so both were brothers they were not half brothers step brothers one father and one mother and so in a way Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an was extremely close in relationship with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam so this was in a way a great advantage given to this great individual Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an and let us not forget also that he was one from amongst the Quraysh now if you lived in Makkah back in the days and if you were a Qurayshi you were considered to be one of those elite royal individuals no one would dare to disrespect you and in all truth Makkah was controlled by the Qurayshi people these were the keepers of uh, the well of Zamzam these were the people who had the complete control of the sacred building Khanai Kaaba these were people who would look after uh, the Musafireen the travelers who would come provide shelter and food these were people who implemented the justice system in the city of Makkah these were people who gave 
employment to those who were unemployed. They would look after anyone who came in the city of Makkah and therefore well respected. And this was unanimously accepted. Uh, the nobility of the Qureshi tribe, no one disputed that. The other tribes were more of a Bedouin tribe, the desert dwellers. And these were people uh, who did not have any strict adherence to religion. They did not have any distinctive culture, unlike the Qureshi people. that The Qureshi people were educated, business was also in the hands of the Qureshi people. And these were people who were carrying the blessings of Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail alayhi salam. Let us not forget that the city of Makkah is wholly and solely connected to Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail alayhi salam. And Ibrahim alayhi salam has made a lot of dua for the city of Makkah and also for the people living in the city of Makkah. Despite the fact that during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it was a very paganistic culture. These were people who were mushrikeen. But even uh, with their shirk, these were people of good morals. And they would even worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the laat and manat and the uzza. They would even take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially at the times of need and desperation, that is the time they would make dua and they would say, Allah save us. And they would say, Allahu Akbar. So these were incredible individuals. So to be one from the Quraysh is an elite position. Hazrat Abu Bakr was a Qurayshi. Hazrat Umar was a Qurayshi. Hazrat Uthman was a Qurayshi. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala is a Qurayshi. But perhaps this exclusive feature of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala is that he is also amongst the Ahl Bayts of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now just to um, go over some of the fathers of uh, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, again the same pedigree, uh, the fathers of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the fathers of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala are the same, except for Abu Talib. The father of Rasulullah is Abdullah, and his father is Abu Talib. Thereafter, all of the fathers are the same. The same fathers of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the same fathers for Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. So Hazrat Ali is the son of Abu Talib, and Abu Talib is the son of Abdul Muttalib, and Abdul Muttalib is the son of Hashim. Let's start from Hashim. Hashim was a man of dynamic personality, an incredible individual. In fact, ulama have mentioned that his name was Amr, not Hashim. His original name was Amr and not Hashim. Uh, the Arabs gave him this name as Hashim later on. Ulama have mentioned لِأَنَّهُ كَانَ يَحْشِمُ الثَّرِيدِ لِقَوْمِهِ فِي الْجَدَبِ Now, Hashim comes from the root word Hashima, Hashima, and Hashima means to crush something, to crush something. And what Hashim would do is that during the time of Jadab, during the time of famine and drought, what he would do, he would provide a service. He would provide Farid for the Arabs, 
And sarid is a very mouth-watering dish. Mouth-watering. I'm sure for some of you to my right and left, grilled prawns would be fine. Eh? So, uh, but for the Arabs, Shabir, MashaAllah, you still owe us something, don't you? But anyway, let us continue. So the Arabs, so the Arabs loved Tharid. If it was Tharid, everybody would come. And there was uh, a special way of cooking Tharid. At times it was uh, making or breaking up small pieces of meat and mixing it with curry. And this was a special delicacy for the Arabs. Now at the time of drought, what Hashim, what Amr would do, who was known as Hashim later on, is that he would crush pieces of meat and make it into this beautiful dish and provide it to the people of Makkah. And there was this huge pot lit on the fire throughout the days of famine. And it was open to anyone and everyone. They would come and he would give food to them. And this man was such a noble man, Hashim, that later on his name became by Hashim. Who are you talking about? Amr. Which Amr? Amr, Yashim, Hashim, the one who provides food for us during the time of drought. So whenever it was a very hot day, famine, drought, difficult moment, Hashim would be there and he would have the stock and he would provide food for the people. And that is why he was given this name as Hashim. And one of the most unique features of this man is that he was a very handsome man. Very, very handsome man. The reason for that, ulama have mentioned, وَكَانَ فِي وَجْهِهِ نُورُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. That he was actually the carrier of the nur of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which was visible on the face of Hashim. Now, all of the fathers from Ibrahim alayhi salam and going all the way back to Adnan and from Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, of course, this is a protected, secured line, a very um, honorable lineage of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And from amongst some of the fathers, the nur of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was visible on their face. Many of the fathers. And from from the fathers, Hashim was another man who people could actually see that he was very handsome and there was a lot of nur and people would say that this is the nur of the last prophet anticipated to come. And so he was carrying the nur of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Arabs loved him. In fact, yahmiluna banatahum. They would actually present their daughters in front of Hashim and they would plead to him and they would say, Hashim, why don't you marry my daughter? Why don't you marry my daughter? Ulama have even mentioned that the king of Rome, Malikur Rum, Hirakal, this was the title that was given, Hirakal. Hirakal also offered his daughter to Hashim. Hirakal, the king of Rome, offered his daughter to Hashim that Hashim must get married to this Roman lady. And he sent a messenger to Arabia in the city of Makkah and he said to Hashim I have a girl, a daughter that no woman on the face of this earth has given birth to a, a girl that is more 
pretty than my daughter. And so what I want is, I want Hashim to marry my daughter. And so there was this open invitation. He said, Hashim, why don't you come to me and I will make the nikah of my daughter with you. I will make the nikah of my daughter with you. Now some of you might be wondering that what would a white-skinned Roman individual want to do anything with the Arabs? What connection is the Roman Empire to the Arabs? Now remember, Malikur Rum, these were, these were Christians. And these were people who had a lot of scriptures. The monks would have scriptures in their, in their cells. And they would teach uh, those who wanted to have an understanding of uh, Christianity. So Hiracle and all of these people were fully aware of the fact that the last Nabi would come from the Arab tribe. And that he will be an Arab. And also there will be certain individuals whose faces will be very bright and munawwar, full of nur, this light. And they will be uh, the carriers of the nur of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the progenitors. And the fathers of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So what he wanted to do is that if Hashim was the man and he was the man, then what he can do if Hashim was to marry his daughter, that would mean that the line of Prophet would be switched and even the Romans would have some connection with Nabuwats, with prophethood. Even Hiracle would be related to the last prophet that everyone is waiting for. And that is why Hiracle offered the daughter to Hashim. So Hashim was a very handsome young man. And ulama have mentioned that he died at a very young age. He was only 25 years of age when he passed away. Only 25 years of age when he died. But he left a legacy, a well-known man. If you read the tarikh, the history of Hashim, uh, there's so much about this individual. In fact, the Arabs take pride with this name. And you'll often hear people saying, Who are you? We are Qurayshi. Who are you? We are Hashimi. The Hashimites. We are Hashimi people. So they would take pride with this father whose name was Hashim. And Hashim's son was Abdul Muttalib. Alama have mentioned that from all the fathers of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Perhaps the most famous and well-known individual is Abdul Muttalib, who was also the grandfather of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Again, Abdul Muttalib, his name was Shaiba. His name was Shaiba. If you remember, uh, Hashim passed away when uh, Shaiba was born. And uh, Hashim had a brother in the city of Makkah whose name was Muttalib. And when Shaiba became, uh, uh, got to his youthful years, the uncle Muttalib came to Medina uh, to bring him to the city of Makkah. When, when Shaiba came with Muttalib, the uncle, in the city of Makkah, people said that he is the slave of Muttalib, not the nephew. And he was given the name as Abdul Muttalib. So his original name is actually Shaiba. And ulama have even mentioned that his name, uh, the title given to him is Fayyaz. Some of the people know him as Fayyaz. يُقَالُ لَهُ Fayyaz لِجَوْدِهِ Because of his generosity. He was not a wealthy man. 
He was not a rich man like his grandfather Qusay. Qusay was a wealthy man from amongst the fathers of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but not Abdul Muttalib. But Abdul Muttalib had a very magnanimous heart, a very big heart. He was very generous. So you'll find people, sometimes you can be very wealthy. You can have a lot of money, but you can be a miser. And sometimes you might not have a lot of money, but that individual might be a very generous person. And Abdul Muttalib was very generous. It is said that straight from the month of Ramadan, he would have this open banquet for the pilgrims and for the people who would come in the month of Ramadan and the food and water was provided by Abdul Muttalib. And that is why you'll find that a lot of uh, um, the rulers of Saudi Arabia even now have titled themselves as Khadimul Haramain al-Sharifain. Now, uh, Khadim means someone uh, who is of a service to the people. And so the reason why they call themselves Khadimul Haramain al-Sharifain is also to be connected to the Hashimi people and to the Abdul Muttalib clan and the Abu Talib clan because it was their duty. These were the people who would provide food and water for the pilgrims. And everything was funded by this individual Abdul Muttalib. So it was an open banquet. Ulama have mentioned that the banquet would stretch for, uh, for such a distance that one side of it was uh, for the birds in Makkah and the wild beasts of Makkah on one side. And then you had the, the Musafirin, the travelers and the Hujjaj and the pilgrims. And everything was provided by Abdul Muttalib. He was the man who was also the keeper of the well of Zamzam. Abdul Muttalib was an incredible individual. When we talk about his character, we need to make note of the fact that he was one of the first individuals who made alcohol haram upon himself. He never touched alcohol. Now this was quite strange. Because for the Arabs, alcohol was like drinking water. There was a pub at every corner in the city of Makkah. These were people who had uh, given hundred names to uh, one item of alcohol. Hundred names to describe one item of alcohol. And Abdul Muttalib made alcohol haram upon himself. He never touched alcohol. And another thing also, and this is not a fatwa, Abdul Muttalib is the first man to dye his hair black. Abdul Muttalib is the first man to dye his hair black. So he would always look very young. And it is said that he died at the age of 120 years, 140 years. So he was blessed with a very long age. And when he died, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was approximately eight years of age. So Abdul Muttalib was the man. Everybody respected him. When he was alive, it was as if he was the godfather and the main man. You had other influential individuals who were elderly in Makkah, but no one would rival the position of Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib was the only man who had a couch that was uh, laid for him in front of the Kaaba.
No one else had that honor. So people would come, and a lot of the people, the Qureshi people, would respect Abdul Muttalib, and they would have this beautiful couch, and they would put this couch in front of the Kaaba, and Abdul Muttalib would rest and sleep, and he would look, look at the people whilst reclining on the couch. It is said that when Abdul Muttalib was sitting on his couch, no one is to disturb him. No one would dare to disturb him. He was alone. And the only person who was given permission to sit with him on the couch was Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa The only individual. And everybody would look at this. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Abdul Muttalib would be resting on the couch and Allah's Nabi would come and Abdul Muttalib would call Hazrat Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and Allah's Nabi would sit with him on the couch in the haram and he would put his hands around his grandson and he would kiss Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa This man was very fond of his grandson. Of course, Abdul Muttalib took the complete charge of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa when Hazrat Abdullah passed away and when Bibi Amina also passed away. All the responsibility now was in the hands of this great man, Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib dearly loved Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah's Nabi was only six to seven years of age. Ulama have mentioned that when Abdul Muttalib would have his uh, meetings with the leaders of the Qureshi tribe. Now this is the senior delegation sitting in the haram. All of the elite Qureshi people... Abdul Muttalib would not attend this meeting without Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Allah's Nabi was only six years of age. And Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa would come, the meeting would convene, and finally Abdul Muttalib would say that the final decision is the decision of my grandson Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And at the age of six, he would take the opinion of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would instruct Abdul Muttalib, the grandfather, what to do. And some of the people would say, Abdul Muttalib, you take the opinion of this child and your grandson. And he would say, there is a lot of greatness in my grandson. I see something which you don't see in him. He's not an ordinary child. And this was the love that... Uh, Abdul Muttalib had for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We've covered Hashim, we've covered Abdul Muttalib. One thing to note about Abdul Muttalib, Abdul Muttalib was an incredible individual. He had a lot of love for the Kaaba. He showed a lot of veneration and respect for the sacred building, the Kaaba. And we have all heard of that historical event. The year when Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was born, Abdul Muttalib was the man in charge of Haram. Abraha came with an army of elephants. Now the Arabs were not used to combating with such huge animals. Uh, they've seen camels, but they haven't seen elephants. And so you had African elephants that came, and they, they wanted to invade the city of Makkah. And as they entered the city of Makkah, Abdul Muttalib had 200 of his personal camels, and some of the troops, the soldiers of Abraha had taken 200 camels and he was marching in. 
And so they knew that Abdul Muttalib was the main man, the man in charge. Abdul Muttalib said to someone, can you go and speak to Abraha and say that I want to have a meeting with him. Abraha thought maybe that the people of Makkah want to surrender. But it wasn't the case. And so when Abraha saw Abdul Muttalib, he gave a lot of respect. And he made Abdul Muttalib sit very close to him and said, tell me Abdul Muttalib, what is it that you want? He said, all I want is my 200 camels. <laughs> what did he say? All I want is my 200 camels. And Abraha was just shocked. You want your two? Here I am. Here I have come with this huge army to uh, demolish the sacred building and to destroy the religion of your forefathers. And you come to me for your 200 camels. And what did Abu Abdul Muttalib say? He says, well, the sanctuary belongs to Allah. The owner of the sanctuary is Allah. And I am the owner of my camels. I am responsible for my camels and Allah is responsible for his haram. I'm just a caretaker, but everything belongs to him. And so he said, and he said that I dare you to do whatever you want to do, but you give me my camels. Abraha thought that this man has become senile and old and a madman. And he said to the people, look, give this man the 200 camels back. And we all know the fate of this army totally annihilated. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this in Surah Al-Feel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed uh, the, uh, the flock of birds that were carrying small pebbles and they were they came down like missiles onto the thick skins of the elephants and all of the elephants were killed and all of the soldiers were also killed and everyone was completely annihilated and this is also recorded in surah al-feel alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil feel alam yaj'al kaydahum fi tadlil so this was the character of Abdul Muttalib. Now just before he passed away, when he became very old and frail, he passed on the responsibility of looking after Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam to one of his sons whose name is Abu Talib. Now this is where Abu Talib comes. Abu Talib is the father of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala Now who was Abu Talib? Abu Talib was one of the chieftains of the city of Makkah He was the chief Again he was also from amongst the Qurayshi And he was the son of Abdul Muttalib A man who had a lot of honor Now Abu Talib again Was very fond with Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa He showed the same love that Abdul Muttalib Showed to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa In fact to a greater degree, some of the scholars have mentioned that Abu Talib would not want to leave the sight of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He would make sure that Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam would sleep in his bedding, in his room, and Allah's Nabi was always there in front of him. Once he wanted to go uh, and visit the traders in Syria, and it was decided that he will go with his partners, business partners. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was to stay in the city of Makkah. 
as he was about to depart for Syria, he said to the people and to his partner, stop. And he went back to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he hugged Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he said that it is very difficult for Abu Talib to leave the city of Makkah without my nephew and my Muhammad. I love Muhammad and Muhammad also loves me. And so Abu Talib was also a man who was very fond of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Let us speak about the family of Abu Talib who is also the father of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an. The Islam of Abu Talib inshallah we will deal with that perhaps on another occasion. But Abu Talib had six children. Six children. Talib Aqil, Jafar and Ali and two daughters Jumana and Ummehani Jumana and Ummehani the eldest was Talib that is where he gets his name Abu Talib the father of Talib historians have no information about this young boy uh, Talib it is said that he was possessed by a jinn he was possessed by by a jinn and um, there is no information recorded about this individual whether he had accepted Islam or not but all of the other children of Abu Talib all had embraced Islam and from all of the children of Abu Talib Abu Talib's favorite child was Aqil Aqil was the favorite child and Aqil was an expert in genealogy and he was a brave soldier and so after Talib came Akil, and uh, the time span between all the brothers was a period of 10 years. So Talib was born, then after 10 years Akil was born, then after 10 years Jafar was born, then after 10 years who was born? Ali was born. So there was uh, a time duration of 10 years. So Jafar was older than Hazrat Ali. 10 years, 10 years older. And Akil was an expert in genealogy. Hazrat Jafar radiallahu ta'ala was a great mujahid. One of the early converts to Islam. He's a man who also uh, migrated to Habasha, Abyssinia. And brothers will recall, it was Jafar who did that eloquent speech in front of the king of Abyssinia, Negus, uh, which actually opened the door of Islam in Habasha. It was the first khutbah the first lecture of Hazrat Ja'far in front of the Christian bishops that were there. And he said that the king is a kind man and Allah's Nabi has sent us here and we want refuge in your country because we have heard that you are a man of a man who shows justice to his people. And so he respected the Muslim group, the migrants that came from the city of Makkah. And Hazrat Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala also became shaheed. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had actually explained the entire event of the shahadat of Hazrat Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala. And Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam became very emotional and he called the children of Ja'far radiallahu ta'ala when the father became shaheed. And he said that today your father is not alive, but I am your guardian in this dunya and also in the hereafter. I am your father in this dunya and also in the hereafter. And he said to the children that 
I am responsible for your maintenance. I am responsible for your maintenance. And then of course we come to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala. Hazrat Ali is the son-in-law of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now Abu Talib was not a rich man. In fact he was a poor man. And that is why Hazrat Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Hazrat Abbas wanted to bail him out quickly. The uncle Abu Talib was 35 years elder in age uh, than Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had to quickly start work when he was under the care of Abu Talib. And eventually what had happened is that they came to the uncle, Abbas was the brother, and they said to Abu Talib that we will take the responsibility of looking after your children. And so he said to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, fine, you can take all of my children, but make sure you don't take my favorite child, which is Akil. So Akil is for me, and the rest you can do whatever you want. And so Hazrat Abbas took Hazrat Jafar radiallahu ta'ala. And so Hazrat Jafar was under the care of Hazrat Abbas. And Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an was under the care of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So these are the children of Abu Talib. Virtually all of them embraced Islam except for Talib. He was possessed by a jinn and uh, history does not record his iman. Wallahu alam. As for the wife of Abu Talib, her name was Fatima bint Asad. What was her name? Fatima bint Asad. And remember that the mother of Abu Talib is Fatima bint Amr. She is the wife of Abdul Muttalib. Uh, sorry, yeah, Abdul Muttalib. And the wife of Abu Talib is Fatima bint Asad. She embraced Islam and she also, she also did hijrah to Madinatul Munawwara. And she is one of those few very fortunate women in the Ummah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that when she passed away, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam took off his kurta and gave it to her to the auntie and said that the coffin for my auntie Fatima is my kurta. Allahu Akbar. What a fortunate lady. And so she is the only lady with a few exceptions also mentioned in, in the tarikh. That Allah who got the kurta of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam as kafan. And before putting her and laying her down in the grave, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam what he did is that he entered the grave and he put himself down in the grave. He went to sleep, he laid himself down for a few minutes and then he stood up and he said that I have done this as a source of barakah. A lot of people reject barakah. We've explained that. And Allah's Nabi rested in the grave. And he said, I have done that as a source of barakah. Because my body touching the soil is rahmah. And I want no difficulty for my mother, for my auntie Fatima bint Asad, who was like the, the mother figure for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is the family of Hazrat uh, Abu Talib. Uh, and also connected to the family of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There is a differences of opinion with the Sunni scholars and the Shia scholars. Of course, the Shias are adamant 
that Abu Talib is a Muslim. The Shias are adamant that Abu Talib is a Muslim. Wallahu alam, according to the Sunni scholars, uh, the the firm opinion and the most authentic opinion is that he departed from this dunya without iman. Wallahu alam. But the rest of the family, the wife and all the children, their iman is all recorded. This is the life uh, and the fathers of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, uh, the kunniyah and inshallah ta'ala the, the place where Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an was born inshallah we will continue with that in the next session wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabiyyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna innaka anta tawwabur rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhurriyatihi wa ahli baytihi ajma'in birahmatika ya arhamar rahimin